Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a series in the book of 1 Corinthians called A Better Way. We're learning that the letter Paul wrote the church in Corinth shows us a better way to be God's people in this world. Thanks for joining us. How something is built matters. I like to go to Lincoln Memorial Gardens, and uh, I don't know if you've been there. It's over on East Lake Shore Drive. It's a, a preserve with a lot of trails. It's great for running. I love to go there to run or walk. They've got bridges in there as well, and there's one particular bridge um, that you know, covered over a creek that was just getting uh, worn out. It was falling into disrepair, and so it got to the place where they had to block it off. Uh, it wasn't passable anymore. Uh, and just you know, recently, they replaced it and got a brand new bridge and everything, but um, that bridge got to the place where it was worn out. It wasn't useful. Um, How something is built matters. Uh, That bridge was dangerous. Uh, It was something that somebody could easily get hurt on, so they had to do something about that. They closed it off. How something is built matters. Uh, Maybe you're familiar with this story, the three little pigs. Three little pigs. They all build their individual houses out of different materials. One builds out of straw, one builds out of sticks, and one builds out of brick. And so when the big bad wolf shows up, little pig, little pig, let me in. Not by the hair of my chinny chin chin. And so what do you say? I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house in. And sure enough, the first two houses, the wolf blows down. But when he gets to the third one, he can't blow it down. Why? Because how it's built matters. We're in a series uh, in the book of 1 Corinthians, and it's called A Better Way. We're looking at how this letter teaches us to live as God's people in the world, uh, to live the better way that God has for us. And, and we've been in a section where Paul, who's writing this letter, has been addressing the issue of divisions in the church. If you remember from week two, Pastor Steve introduced this idea, and Paul is coming to the Corinthians saying, hey, I hear you're fighting over things in church. And he comes in, and and it has to do with the leadership. It has to do with these teachers that come in. So Paul, he plants the church, and uh, he establishes, gets things going, but then another guy comes along, Apollos. He starts teaching, um, and and suddenly people are starting to pick their favorites. If you remember in that sermon, uh, Steve introduced the idea with uh, an image. Who got one of these? (laughs) You remember these? The t-shirt that says, I was baptized by Steve. <laughs> Pretty awesome, right? Essentially, what these folks were doing was they were, they were grabbing their t-shirts and wearing them, saying, I like so-and-so. I was baptized by Steve. I follow Jeff. Like, that's essentially what they were doing. And Paul comes in to say, nah, it's not about this. It's not about a t-shirt. Now, for those of you who got one of these, um, I'm going to just submit my case here in a few minutes. So hang on to that thought. But Paul, but Paul comes in, he's like, what church is about? It's about the cross. It's about Jesus. And, and Jesus doesn't lead us to divide like this. Jesus comes in and he turns things upside down. See, Paul, um, he, he was articulating how they were operating from the worldly side of things. And he used the word wisdom. Like, you're using worldly wisdom. And that's leading to these disagreements, these arguments, this fighting. Jesus isn't about that. The cross isn't about that. It turns things upside down. The cross is about the weak things of the world, the foolish things. 
And he, he, he comes to them and says, you were foolish when you first believed. I was foolish in the way that I preached. It's not about worldly wisdom, but it's about the wisdom that the Spirit gives. And so then Paul progresses to get to the place where you're operating as if you're worldly. We talked about that last week. You're, you're, you're still being worldly because there's division among you. And the reason that that's true is because you're operating according to a different set of values. And Paul comes in to say, God is the one who builds. God's the one who grows. God's the one that is creating his church. These human leaders that you keep arguing about, they just participate. They offer some kind of contribution. Paul planted the, the seeds. Apollos came in and watered. But God is the one who's growing the crop. That's the image that Paul uses. Today, he expands on the metaphor. He expands on that idea by using the image of a building. And so that's where we're going to turn to today, uh, looking at how God is a builder, but how our contribution matters. So um, if you would, turn into 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And what we're going to see is Paul is building on this idea that how something is built matters. And he's going to apply that to the church. So if you're following along in the notes, before you write anything down, if you're following along in the notes. Hey, now who's your favorite? <laughs> this is something we've been working on for a while. We've got our notes now listed on the screen so that you can follow along more easily and write down as we're going along so that you can see, write things clear and everything like that. Don't worry, all the other guys are going to do this too. It's not just me. So I'm not your favorite. But if you're following along in the notes, how the church is built matters. How the church is built matters. That's what Paul is talking about. How the church is built matters. He wants to flesh out this idea that um, what God is doing, he's building this, this building project and how it's built matters. And he's going to come in and say that God is the builder. God's the one who plants. God is the builder. But we have a contribution. That's, that's what he's offering. See, he's, Paul comes in, Paulus, Cephas, they all come in and they're contributing something. But God is the master builder. But he doesn't want to just leave it there. So if you're following along in the notes, God builds, we contribute. God builds, we contribute. He's coming in to say that God's the master builder, but we have a role to play too. And to fight against any sort of thinking like, oh, okay, then that, that just doesn't matter. Actually, he wants to come in and say, it does matter. How we're contributing makes a difference. It matters. Because how something is built matters. So, if you would, before we dive in, can we join in a word of prayer together? God, thank you that uh, you continually teach us that we get to hear from you each week. Lord, we pray that we would hear you again afresh this morning. Lord, show us how, um, how our contribution does matter. Help us to answer the question what it is you're asking of us. And Lord, help us to step up in faith and in love, not out of uh, duty or guilt, but Lord, would we see your grace 
and will we respond accordingly. So speak to us this morning, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So we're going to be answering this question, how are we to build? If our contribution matters, uh, what is it that we need to do? What is it that God is asking us to do? What is it that we're building? Are we building towards something? Remember our context. Paul is talking about division in the church. Are we building uh, a divided building or a unified building? So 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we invite you to grab one of these. These are in seat racks in front of you. You can find the page, uh, uh, find 1 Corinthians 3 on page 925. We'd love to have you walk out with this if you don't own a Bible. So please take that as our gift. But 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light." It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will will receive a reward. But if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will still be saved, even though as only as one escaping through flames. So Paul uses this image of a building and a builder, and he's coming in to say our contribution matters. And so he wants to push us to let us realize um, how we build. We need to pay attention to that. So if you're following along in the notes, God builds, we contribute, so we must watch how we build. God builds, we contribute, so we must watch how we build. In verse 10, he talks about how he showed up, he laid a foundation as a wise builder, and others have come along to build on that foundation, but each one should take care how they build. Now, Paul's talking about ministers, leaders, teachers in the church, and he's referencing particularly himself, Apollos, Cephas, those that have come along the way, and he's, he's almost saying, like, each one of these guys needs to pay attention to how they build, but I think it still applies to us. Um, I think about my faith walk. Um, my journey. Uh, I've grown up in the church, but I, I came to believe in Jesus um, probably around middle school. And after that point, I noticed that God would continue to grow me by using people. There were various people in my life that he put there to help teach me, to help me grow, to help me walk my faith a little bit more faithfully. And he used those individuals to shape me. But none of them were pastors. They weren't people who were formal ministers. They weren't the experts. They weren't like educated, seminary-trained people. They were just people trying to live the Christian life. And they had influence on me. I think we all have influence to some degree. There's people that are in our lives that we're shaping, that we're investing in. And so I think we offer a contribution of some kind Maybe we're not pastors and all teachers or whatever, but man, we're helping to build the church. And so I think what Paul has to say actually says something to us. We have a contribution that we're making, and Paul wants to say it matters. 
It matters for each and every one of us. So when we hear, we must build with care. We must pay attention. We must watch how we build. That's a, that's a call for us. So Paul wants to then say, where is that starting from? He talks about a foundation, continuing the metaphor. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation. God has uh, planted Jesus as a foundation for building his church. It starts with Jesus. It starts with the gospel. That's the foundation. So if you're following along in the notes, we must build on the foundation of Jesus. We must build on the foundation of Jesus. I don't know if you watch HGTV. Um, They've got a lot of different shows that have renovation. Like it seems like every other show is about about somebody coming into a house, renovating it, fixing up. I don't remember which show it was, but I was watching an episode one time. And the people came in, they had bought this house, and they were fixing it up. And there was an addition that had been put onto the house. The previous owners had built an addition. And they started to open it up, and they realized that this addition was terrible. The foundation only went like halfway on this like extra room. And so the whole thing was really rickety, really shoddy. They couldn't keep it. They're coming in. They're like, we can't do anything with this. The the foundation doesn't go all the way. And it was like teetering. It was a really bad addition to the house. It didn't fit on the foundation. It didn't fit the framework established. That's true. When we build on a foundation, like when you're building buildings, you have to follow the pattern that is established by the foundation. You can't build beyond it. It fits in a certain way. The foundation dictates the framework. It sets the pattern. It sets how the building is going to be shaped and how it's going to come together. The foundation is essential. And things have to align with the foundation. The same is true for church. The foundation is Jesus. Everything that follows has to align with him. It has to align with the gospel. It has to gel with what has already been laid. Otherwise, it doesn't fit. It's not helpful. It's not part of the design, the blueprint. That's true, That's true for us. We're called to build on the foundation of Jesus. That's what Paul was essentially saying to the Corinthians. You're you're not building on the foundation that's already been set. You're trying to go beyond it. How might we do that too? We're called to build on the foundation of Jesus, build on the foundation of the gospel. So we keep talking about like building and our contribution. God's the builder, we're contributing. What is it that we're actually talking about? What kind of uh, framework are are we building up from this foundation? Well, one of the helpful ideas was to think on the context. Paul's talking about division in the church. And he says, I see quarreling, I see arguing, I see fighting, your jealousy, you're not getting along. I think it's in the context of relationships that Paul is addressing all this. So if you're following along, our contribution is this. What we do and how we relate. What we do and how we relate That's our contribution. It's in the context of relationships. It's in this context of how we connect with other people, especially in disagreements. And Paul's saying, it matters. You're building into something. Does it fit with what God has already established? Our contribution matters. They were fighting amongst themselves. They were picking their favorites. That was their contribution. 
doesn't fit with the building plan? What is it for us? Where is there a relationship that you're sideways with somebody? Is there arguing that consistently happens in that context? Man, you just can't seem to get along with somebody. Or maybe it's a family member. Things just don't seem to go the way that they need to. There's resentment, anger, frustration. Do you feel the need to talk about somebody when they're not there? I don't know about you, but for me, the most helpful way to think about this was an us versus them mentality. If I'm ever operating with an us versus them mentality, I'm beginning to feed into division, separation, tearing of relationships. And it often leads me to operate in some way that's not loving. Or is that for you? What's your contribution? Are these things present for you? Paul has a very weighty response to that. If you keep reading in the passage, in verse 13, excuse me, verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. Paul is talking about a day, and it's a capital D in my translation. You might have that too, but it's actually an allusion or reference to an Old Testament idea, the day of the Lord. That that is a picture of when the Lord shows up and, and asserts his reign over the world. Jesus is taking that and saying, that's about me. The day of the Lord is about when I come back. And Paul is referencing that. And he's almost coming in to say that Jesus, as the master builder, as the designer, is going to come up, and he's going to look at the blueprint, he's going to say, does this fit? Does all of this work together? Is it building the kind of building that I'm looking for? And he's going to look at how we've related to one another, what we do with each other in relationship. And Paul, he talks about these different building materials, gold, silver, costly stones. Um, there's actually a division there, isn't there? The first three are things that when fire shows up, they're purified. They get better. It makes them more beautiful, more pure. But the second three items are things that burn up, that are destroyed when fire shows up. What kind of building materials are we using? Because Jesus is going to come back. He's going to look and say, does this fit with the building that I'm creating? And if it doesn't, he's going to remove it. Now, I hope you feel the weight, the weight of this, the seriousness of this. Before you feel the over-seriousness of it, let me remind you of where we've come from. Last week, Steve talked about how God is the grower, God is the builder. He is the one that's building. It's not all on us. It's not all in our hands. It's in his. We contribute. We participate with him. But our contribution matters. What we do has implications. In, in verse 15, we get a, a statement that's a little bit unusual, um, but it talks about the loss side. So if, if the, the materials that are used are burned up, that, that builder suffers loss, um, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through flames. 
This is not meant to say, like, uh, as a salvation issue, if you build with wood, straw, or hay, you're out. It's not to say that. It is to say that salvation doesn't, isn't, uh, our justification isn't at stake. But how we're building into the building matters. And so we want to take seriously how we relate, how we live out the gospel, how we live out relating to Jesus. Because it does matter. It matters. Okay, so God's the builder. We're contributing to the building plan. And so what we build matters. And so we want to pay attention, we want to watch. Because there's, there's something at stake there. But what is it that we're building? What are, what are we building here? Is it a building? Is it this? Paul says it's people. We are building up people. If you read in verse 16 and 17, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? That God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. And you together are that temple. We are the temple. Paul takes the building image and applies it to a specific building, the temple. Now, Corinth uh, was a city full of temples. There were temples all over the place, a variety of different religions, a a variety of gods that people would worship. Um, And so when they would hear this, they would be thinking, man, our city is full of this. They'd also be thinking about the temple in Jerusalem. And what's almost being communicated here is that when you look at a temple, you get to relate to God at that place. That's where God dwells. He lives there. That's his dwelling place. And so when you go there, you can connect with him. You can relate to him. And you can learn about what he's like. Paul is taking that image and saying, you are that. You collectively are the temple of God. It's where he lives. It's where people can meet with him and where people can learn about him. You are that temple. The temple, the the church, it's people. It's people that God is building up. He's building up a group of people, a group of followers who go with him. And so when people look at at God's followers, they're going to see him. That's what the purpose of a temple is. So if you're following along in the notes, we are God's temple and meant to be like him. We are God's temple and meant to be like him. Paul's using this image to communicate something about who we are and about part of our purpose. So when, we, um, when we're out there and people look at us, what do they see? Do they see worldly people? Or do they see Jesus people? That's what he's trying to get at. Paul's trying to use this image of temple as a way to say how you live represents your God. That's the image of a temple. And so when, he's t- when God is building something up, he's building up people, building up a group of people who follow him and help us see who God is. That's what's going on here. So if we're to be like him, how do we do that? Paul ha- maybe articulates it this way for following along in the notes. We contribute to building up people with the gospel. We contribute to building up people with the gospel. We're building up this temple of people. 
Um, and it's held together by the gospel. Maybe if you think about it this way, um, as a building is constructed, especially bricks, individual bricks go in certain places, and those bricks are held together by mortar. We, as individuals, are those individual bricks, and the mortar that holds us together is, is the gospel. It's the love of Jesus. And when people look at our relationships, they're to see that mortar. They're to see the love of Christ in between us. That's what holds us together. That's what unites this building together. Now, I want you to notice something. Um, In that language, Paul was talking about you yourselves, you together are that temple. Um, As individuals, if we follow Jesus, the Spirit lives in us, and we are individual temples of God. Each person, we we are a temple of the Spirit. He lives in us. He dwells within us as individuals. That's true, but Paul also wants to go to the other side and say, um, while you all individually are temples, collectively you are a temple. When people look at you as a body, as a whole group, that is a temple as well, and they're going to see who God is in you. And so what Paul wants to point out is how we relate to one another, what we do in relationship matters because we're reflecting Jesus. We're reflecting the foundation. We're building that framework. That's what's going on here. We're building up people. Hebrews chapter 10 talks about this in some different language, but it it points us in the direction of, of how this fleshes itself out. So Hebrews 10, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And again, there's that reference to the day of the Lord when Jesus comes back. We're looking forward to that day. Not as as a scary thing, but as when Jesus comes back, there's fulfillment of all things. Until then, we're to be building into each other with love and good deeds. And and that verse talked about meeting together. So I'm the group's pastor. I'm going to put my group's hat on here. If you're not a part of a group you're missing out on something. That is the opportunity where we can connect with one another and practice this. So we encourage everybody to be a part of some kind of community, whether it's something we put together or something you do on your own, but be a part of community because that's where we live out this building plan of God. So there's my shameless groups plug right there. So, um, but yeah, God, God wants us to live out our faith as his people in how we relate to one another. That's what this is all about. So, if we're building alongside God, he's the master builder, he's the one that's building this this temple of people, um, and we're contributing to that. We offer uh, offer something to that building project, and it matters. And so we want to take it seriously. Uh, What's the result? Like, where's all of this going if we're doing this big building plan? Paul says it's unity. It's unity. If you keep reading in verse 18 and following, do not deceive yourselves. If any of you think you are wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about human leaders. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world, life or death or the present or the future, all 
are yours, and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Paul finally kind of concludes or gets to the climax of what he's been building towards. Don't boast in human leaders. He started out talking about division, and he comes here to say it's not about the human leaders. This fighting that's happening, that's not where it belongs. And so I think how we can hear that is be unified, be united, be together, not divided. That's where Paul wants us to go. We're to be together in the gospel. Uh, In John 17, Jesus is with his disciples. He's about ready to begin to walk towards the cross. And so he prays this prayer. And one of the unique things about what he prays for, it just strikes me. So here it is. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus' prayer is for unity. He's about to die. He's about to go to the cross. And what does he pray for? Unity. That's what's at stake in all of this. We're called to be unified together, to be one body, one people, so we can reflect the love and grace of Jesus. But the problem is what Paul talks about uh, as worldly wisdom. This is what gets in the way. This is what leads to division. We talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago where wisdom, uh, according to the world's standards, is actually foolish. Paul talks about how we're to become fools so that we may become truly wise. It goes back to this idea that the way the world values things is opposite to the way God values things. God uses weakness and powerlessness. He uses the foolish things to say, this is what's, this is what's better. The world, world values charisma, strength, power, Uh, It looks to these kinds of things and says, this is better. But God says, no, 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 no. These things are better. Weakness, humility. He turns it on its head. And so Paul calls the Corinthians and calls us to let go of worldly wisdom, wisdom, become fools according to the world so that we may actually become truly wise. So if you're following along in the notes, we become foolish to the world to become truly wise. We become foolish to the world to become truly wise. It was here that I started to see and connect the dots of how this passage really can impact our lives. And it it really hit me over the head this week. Um, The world values these kinds of things, charisma, uh, people who are powerful, strong, um, tall, you know, these kinds of things. A lot of those are based on the elevation of self. When I hear this kind of mindset, I begin to realize, like, that's about building me up. It's about how can I elevate myself? How do I feel better than somebody else? That's worldly wisdom. That's not what true wisdom is all about. True wisdom throws all that out. 
True wisdom is about uh, setting aside self. So if you're following along, wisdom is not focusing on self. Wisdom is not focusing on self. As I thought about this in my own life, it was these moments where I realized, like, man, I'm, I'm thinking about me. Where there is, is, is division between me and another person, oftentimes it had to do because I was elevating me. How can I be better than them? How can I think better than them? I'm, I'm creating a divide, a me versus them idea. And I'm focused on me. I'm focused on me. That's the way the world works. Paul wants to say that's not how we're supposed to work. When I focus on myself, that tears other people down. That breaks relationship. That works against God. What Paul is talking about is he wants us to be truly wise. He wants us to elevate others. I'm so glad that Chuck started out the service talking about Philippians 2. Um, That is a great chapter that gets at this reverse nature of the world. And so he talked about the Christ hymn, the the description of how Jesus came in humility and and became obedient to death. I'm going to read the first couple of verses before that that almost says, here's what we do in light of that. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, unity language, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness or and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Unity is built on humility. It starts with setting aside self and looking to Jesus, looking to others and elevating others' interests above my own. The world's way of doing things, worldly wisdom, it's about elevating me. How am I right? How am I better? It's me versus them. The cross, the gospel, Jesus, is meant to be how do I build others up? That's the kind of building that God is building. He's constructing this group of people who look out for the other. So where in your life can this get better? Where were those moments of disagreement, of arguing, of frustration, resentment, bitterness with another person? You see those moments of of gossip. You want to talk about somebody behind their back where you're trying to tear somebody down, where are those moments? Maybe it's with your family. You just can't seem to get along. Every time a conversation starts, it always ends in an argument. Maybe it's someone in your life group. Man, you just don't see eye to eye, and you cannot figure out how we work through it. I think this also translates to unbelievers, you know, people in, uh, outside the Christian circle. I think we can model and show what um, good human relationships look like that are built on unity. So are we working towards that or are we continuing to re, uh, reaffirm the world's way of doing things in their minds? I don't know if there's a particular relationship 
or situation in your life. I encourage you even just to write it down right now. But if you're following along in the notes, in your life, where can Christ-like unity be built? In your life, where can Christ-like unity be built? I would encourage you to specifically write that down, right in that little space next to it. What is it for you? Where is it that God wants to build up where it's normally torn down? How do we do that? I think Philippians 2 pointed us in the right direction. And it's kind of captured in this posture. So if you're following along in the notes, our posture is to be humility in non-essentials, sacrifice for others, and focus on Jesus. Humility in non-essentials, sacrifice for others, and focus on Jesus. Unity is built on these kinds of things. Remember, our foundation is Jesus. It starts with him. It's the gospel. It's the framework that he establishes. It's focusing on Jesus. And it's willing to set aside myself for the sake of someone else. How can I build somebody else up rather than trying to build myself up? Make me feel better than. That eliminates the us versus them mentality. And in all of that, humility is essential. It's so needed in our interactions. So what does that look like for you? Even this week, to engage in a relationship where you're still thinking on Jesus, remembering what he has done for you, and willing to sacrifice yourself in humility for another person. That's the call. This is what builds unity. This is what is supposed to characterize the church, the body of believers. Cherry Hills, we, we just had a vote. A, a pretty significant moment in the life of our church. We proposed a new constitution, and uh, it means some things change. Now, there may have been some of you who's like, yep, yeah, that's great, I'm totally on board, no big deal. Some of it may have been a little more difficult. Cherry Hills, I'm so glad that we can have good, honest dialogue together that we can engage in these hard moments where there is maybe disagreement, but still be united. Because unity is not about total agreement. Steve talked about that several weeks ago. It's not uniformity. We're not all the same. We don't all think the same. But rather, we see what is most important, and that is the gospel. That is what binds us together. And even in that, Cherry Hills, how we handled this vote, I'm so glad that we walked in the way of Jesus in it. We, we want to get better communication, and that was part of uh, the conversation, but we were able to dialogue together and work towards a solution. So thanks for engaging in that way. Let's continue to model this for all the people around us and for each other. This is the kind of commitment to unity that we want to have. So remember, God builds. We contribute, and that matters. So we want to take it seriously, but we're building up people for unity. Would you join me in a word of prayer? God, thank you for your encouragement and your word. Lord, we appreciate how uh, you continually teach us. Lord, continue to teach us how we can build up other people. Lord, where is it that we can uh, cultivate humility and sacrifice? Lord, in those relationships that even we're thinking of right now, Lord, would you meet us with your grace? Remind us that it's not about what we do. It's not about our striving, but it's about following your lead. You are the master builder, and we're contributing to that. 
And that matters. So Lord, help us to remember that you are always with us. You're setting the pattern. It's not on all our shoulders, but we can still contribute. Lord, give us your grace. Give us your wisdom to know how to interact in these different moments. And I pray, Father, that we would cultivate a spirit of unity amongst brothers and sisters around us. Thank you, God, for your word, for your grace. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.